I, I think you could be feminist. You could be whatever you want to be. I, I don't think sexuality is meant to be, first of all, policed in any way, shape, or form or whatever, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Um, and, I, and I think that when people saying porn for women, I find that quite condescending almost, to be honest, because I've seen a lot of, I've met a lot of female that like, really hardcore adult content and i've met a lot of male that like really softcore stuff what does it say what it, it says nothing it just means that as humans we're creators of layers and we don't we don't really uh we don't really fit in boxes radio mano papachango What's up, kiddos? How's it going out there? This is uh, Chris, your host. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. This episode is with a very cool dude by the name of Greg Lansky. He is a porn mogul, as you will hear. But honestly, we didn't really talk about porn all that much in this conversation, um, which I'm happy about because what we were really talking about, we talked about sexuality. But mainly, I think what we talked about was um, how to make yourself valuable to people in an industry that you want to get into. Greg is 35 years old. He owns some of the biggest porn sites in the world. How did he get from a kid who couldn't graduate high school? I think he said he got kicked out of four different schools. How did he get from there to the top of a certain world in whatever, 15 years. Uh, that's what we talked about. And the thing I want to say about Greg is that <laughs> Greg's got all the money you can possibly want to have. He's married to a beautiful, wonderful woman. He's got, you know, every sign of success you can want, but he's a cool guy. He's a good guy. You can see he has a good heart. This Christmas, he opened up his home to people in porn who didn't have families to go home to because they're in the adult industry and a lot of people who are in that world lose their families. And, uh, that's that's the kind of person he is. He's he's just a a real sweet, wonderful guy. Not the kind of person that you would imagine when you think of somebody who makes adult videos for adult films for a living. Um, but it just goes to show how little we really know about the world until we go out and meet people who are living in it. Speaking of going out and living in it, I'll be in Bali. Uh, I'm leaving for Bali in a few days on the 8th. I think I'm arriving on the 9th. I'll be there till the end of uh, the month. So if you happen to be in Bali uh, and you live there or you 
know your way around, hit me up. Uh, maybe we can get together, have a beer, have some jasmine tea, whatever the hell they drink in Bali. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to know the island, checking it out. Possible that I'll set up a second kind of Asian home base there for a while. I know Cassie's interested in maybe doing some healing work in Bali. So particularly if you have contacts in Bali who have healing centers or who are involved in the healing arts in some sense, I'd love to hear from you. You can always reach me at, uh, what is it? Intro at tangentiallyspeaking.com. That's also where you can send your, your voice intros. Another thing I wanted to mention, I signed up for an app called Cameo. Um, my buddy Simon Rex is on Cameo and he's doing some work with them. And, uh, so he told me about it. Basically what it is, is it's an app you download to your phone and then there are people on there, writers, actors, comedians, singers, whatever, um, that you would like to have some sort of personal interaction with. Um, Simon gets a lot of stuff where people are saying, Hey, could you, uh, you know, wish my brother-in-law a happy birthday and make fun of his tiny penis or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. So Simon will make, it's basically you make like a selfie video for the person and, um, you know, they hire you to make a, a little video. So it's like a personal birthday greeting or whatever it is. <clears throat> Simon suggested that what I do with mine is that a lot of people write asking for advice on things and, you know, they want my take on a situation or whatever, and I don't have time to answer emails as much as I would like to and, and to respond to everybody. So maybe uh, on Cameo, if you want to do something real quick and just tell me what you want, tell me what the situation is, and I'll record a little video uh, with my sort of off-the-cuff response to that. I don't know that it's worth anything. But, you know, I, I don't know how these things work. So if it's worth something to you, I think I set the price at 25 bucks. Um, if it's worth 25 bucks for you to hear my opinion on something, you can find me on Cameo. I got a, a thing on, I saw a thing on Reddit the other day. Somebody was taking the piss out of these um, snips that I play for most of the episodes. I'm going to play some of them too, but uh, I thought I would read you this rather clever parody of some of the snips. I think this person was a little bumming out maybe that uh, his life wasn't uh, currently as exotic as some of the people who send in their snips from all over the world. Don't, don't take it wrong. Don't, it's He's joking. It's funny, but he's taking the piss out of it. He says, um, <clears throat> the heading is every tangentially speaking voicemail. And it says, whispering in an airy, stoic, and oversexed tone. <laughs> and then in parentheses it says, exotic birds chirping exotically. <laughs> it's, this is really well done. Um, okay, here it is. Hello, fellow spirit surfers. My name is Ro Jogan. I'm here in the Hindu mountains overlooking a migrating flock of exotic birds that my girlfriend, a local river guide, painter, commando, and deified goddess from the Ukrainian hinterlands tells me only happens once every 200 years. As the sun rises and the locally sourced triple-filtered peyote beats a slithering path to my soul, I can hear the wings and soft calls of the mysterious sky creatures not seen in centuries. Over the cool rain pattering on our stone and mud hut we crafted to make love in. The seasonably mild winds carry their love 
lovely sound through our rustic breezeway, stirring the low flame that roasts my hand-picked, hand-roasted Guatemalan coffee beans, gifted to us after completing a jungle missionary trip, fixing roads and footpaths to schools, and trekked out on the backs of sleepy jungle cats, trained by a shaman mystic who I call my father." The air is perfect, and my exotic girlfriend lay asleep after nine hours of moonlit, MDMA-fueled super sex. I just wanted to call and say, I hope everyone is also doing well, and that my humble journey and meek existence is only possible and made better through these conversations and your sage wisdom. Peace to everyone. Goodbye for now. All right, fair enough. To my mysterious parodist out there on Reddit, I'd like to dedicate my personal favorite exotic voicemail sent in over the last couple of years by my dedicated listeners. Hey, Chris. Uh, Love love the show, man. I'm out here in uh, in the woods in Texas, and uh, thanks to you, thanks to your show, and your uh, you know just enlightening me and freeing me sexually. Uh, me and my uh, me and my uh, friend uh, just tried anal out here, so. Gotta say, uh, love what you do, man. Uh, 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 God bless. Ah, it's got it all, doesn't it? It's got the clearing of the throat. It's got the tromping through the woods in Texas. It's got the anal with his uh, his um, friend. And then it ends with God bless. I mean, that is a goddamn work of art right there. I gotta say. All right, I'm going to play some normal uh, voice clips from some of you. Jeff in the shower, a guy who's barefoot in Finland, and uh, and someone else. And then I am going to play you out with a song called Eye of the Duck, believe it or not. I guess that's probably a translation because the singer is Egyptian. Her name is Natasha Atlas. Natasha Atlas is going to be singing the eye of the duck to you. And then you're going to listen to this conversation with the amazingly cool and interesting and smart as a motherfucker high school dropout, Greg Lansky. And then I'll be on an airplane to Bali. And next time you hear from me, I'll probably be drenched in tropical sweat and drinking a mango smoothie and um, <clears throat> sitting on a beach with a sunburn and sand between my toes. There you go. That's life. Thanks for listening. Hope 2019 is shaping up nicely for you so far. I will catch you next time. Hey, Chris, this is Jeff in Dallas, Texas, many hours north of your favorite Terlingua spot. I am currently listening to a podcast in a shower, as you can hear, in light of fuck shame. And I'm really enjoying it. Thought I'd check in. Listening to all these submissions really uh, should drive everyone to send one of these in. We want to hear where you're at. I love all of you people. And uh, I'll hand the mic off to the next guy here.
Thanks, bye. Hello, Chris. This is Walter from Finland, walking barefoot in this forest in Helsinki, trying to stay connected to nature, as always. Just wanted to say that it feels great knowing that there exists this global community of like-minded people. So, kitos to everyone. Hey, Chris. This is Jake here in Minneapolis. Don't have a whole lot to say that hasn't been said already, but I'm looking forward to that book whenever you plan to release it. Love the podcast. Keep on keeping on. Thanks, you guys. I think I might have said somewhere in that introduction that I was going to play a song called The Eye of the Duck by Natasha Atlas, but I changed my mind, and I can't find where I said it, so I couldn't edit it out, so I misled you kind of intentionally in retrospect. Anyway, uh, in fact, I'm going to play a song called Nouveau Western by MC Solar, who is one of the only rappers who pulls it off in French as far as I'm concerned. Just a little something, a little uh, shout out to Greg Lansky coming from France and all and living in the West now. Thought maybe he'd appreciate this. All right. Hope you all dig it. I'm about to roll on out of here and head to tropical paradise for a couple of weeks. I will speak to you probably with monsoon-like rain falling in the background next time. Unless my plane crashes. If my plane crashes, just know that I went down smiling because I got to say the last few years of my life have been deeply enriched by the fact that I get to talk with you and meet you and have all of you interacting in my life with each other and with me. Thanks. Catch you later. Le vent souffle en Arizona, un état d'Amérique dans lequel Arizona, cowboy dang, du bang bang, du flingue, de l'arme, du cheval et de quoi faire la bringue, poursuivi par Smith et Wesson, Cold Deringer, Winchester et Remington, il erre dans les plaines, fier, solitaire, son cheval et son partenaire. Parfois, il rencontre des Indiens, mais la rue est vers l'or et son seul dessin. Sa vie suit un cours que l'on connaît par cœur. La rivière sans retour d'Otto Preminger, tandis que John Wayne est loupé à la lutte lutte. Propre comme un archiduc, on peut ça me doute. Hollywood nous berne, Hollywood berne. Dans la vie de tous les jours, comme dans les nouveaux westerns. Gary Cooper, le western moderne est installé dans le secteur Quand la ville dort, les trains ne sifflent pas Les sept mercenaires n'ont pas l'once d'un combat Harry, désormais, est proche de Gare de l'Est Ils sont des époques et les lieux pour un nouveau Far West Les saloons sont des bistrots, on y vend des clopes Pas de la chute, du top, du cinémascope Il entre dans le bar, commande un indien Scalpe la mousse, boit, repose le verre sur le zin Une douche cheveux se part, sous des types se baignent Pour des motifs futiles comme dans les nouveaux westerns
Les têtes sont une sorte de multinationale Elle exporte le western et son modèle féodal Dicte le bien le mal Le public et les Dalton sont camouflés en Paul Smith et Weston On dit que ce qui compte c'est le décor La vie ne fait pas le moindre dans la rue et vers l'or Dès lors, les techniques se perfectionnent La carte à puce remplace le Remington Mais Harry, à Paris, n'a pas eu de chance On le stoppe sur le périph' avec sa diligence Puis on le place à Fresnes Pour que Fresnes le freine Victime des directives de ce que l'on appelle le nouveau western Le nouveau western All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting in the offices of, uh, what's the, is there one company here or several companies? Well, technically we're called a Vixen Media Group. Vixen Media Group. Okay, cool. And we've got several brands associated with it. Right, right. I'm with Greg Lansky, who's, uh, would you call yourself a porn mogul? Uh, Are you a mogul? I guess if you did, that's, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> how, do you, how does one become a mogul? I guess, I'll take whatever you give me, Chris. I guess it just uh, it it implies a certain level of success. You, right. you found formulas that work. I, I did commercially. I did. Yeah. I found formulas that work. So you and I met at like one of these classic um, L.A. places where you meet right. interesting, certain kind of interesting people at yeah. the Soho House. Yeah. yeah, at a little dinner. I didn't even know it was a dinner. I just thought really? I was meeting our mutual friend, Neil, for a drink. And I didn't even were... know there was going to be all the people. So <laughs> Neil, was really, <laughs> Neil was really smart and sneaky about, about, of... about giving as little information yeah, as possible exactly. to his guest list. I think Neil, Neil, a lot of Neil's life is about experimentation. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to run little, he does magic yeah. tricks. He's and... like a little mad scientist. He's, he, likes, he is. He likes yeah. to run human experiments. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Always with uh, good intention. Right. Like, 
like right, I've right. never come away feeling like he no, ripped me off. Not. It was always like, oh, that was a surprise. Yeah, but he loves to put a group of people together and just sit there and see how they interact. And, yeah. and, and this, this is, I love his rule, right? He's got this rule. And I think, I think you came after he established that rule. Yeah. Um, Cause I think you broke it. <laughs> I, I, I like breaking his rules. Yeah. But you, it, it was actually, I, I'm not a big rule guy, obviously having an entire life made in porn. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think yeah. rules have, have been a big, part of my life but this one actually thought it was cool because he had a group of like six seven people and i encourage everyone to try it out at home or whenever you have a dinner of like six seven people because he was like hey one topic of conversation only no side conversation right so we didn't fragment in no the little side conversation yeah. and that was just beautiful because then people had to shut up and wait for their turn to speak and you know whenever right. it was your time you did you did like like okay i waited all that time to make that point now i'm gonna make it right and um yeah, no, that was that was really fun. That was really yeah. Fun I definitely one. broke it because I came, sat down at the end of the table next to you, and then you and I chatted for about an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was after like Courtney Love showed up or something yeah, like that, and then and yeah. then they just sort of the whole thing because yeah. past six seven it becomes pretty hard. I don't think she's into rules either. I don't. I don't think so either. It's got a pretty big track record of it. Yeah, she's a rule breaker. So one of the things, I mean, actually, I'm glad I broke the rule because that's what brought us here. Right. right. I, I wouldn't have had a chance to, to get to know you. Um, I remember you, you talked about your childhood in you were born in Tunisia, but raised no, no, in no. France. I was, my dad was born in Algeria, Algeria. OK. And I was raised in. But I wasn't. I was born in Paris. You were born in Paris. Yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But then somehow you ended up in the south of Spain. What was that? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's a big jump right there. So I, I grew up in Paris. Right. I was born and raised in Paris. Um, and like some kind of like criminal no you know? no really I, what, what? I mean my dad went to jail but i wasn't i wasn't really not uh, you but i remember you saying like you liked the life of a sort of no. outlaw or something oh yeah i did i mean i guess it, pretty big jump as well i guess you could say that when i was you know around my early 20s 1920 i was seriously considering the, the i had a lot of friends that had you know made that jump into like you know, being drug dealers and, mm. and breaking the laws and stuff like that. And I was fascinated by, by that uh, lifestyle. I think ultimately I I liked freedom too much, you know, and as, as mm. I get older, I become a little bit more and more obsessed with freedom and the value of it. And I feel that, you know, if you had to ask me what is my what are my life values and what are the things that I value the most, freedom would be the number one. Really. What is How do you define freedom? Well, the ability to make decisions for yourself and freedom is is really fragile and the ability essentially like I, I thought that that, you know, later earlier in life, you know, the more money I make, the more happier I'm going to get. Obviously, that didn't really work out that way. But I feel like money is just one other tool that gives you freedom, you know, the freedom to, to do other things or go mm. places or, or not say hello or thank mm. you to people you don't want to say hello or thank you to or not, not have to bow down to, you know, anyone you don't want to bow down or not have a boss, mm. all that sort of thing. So right. freedom could be as simple as just not having a boss and work for yourself, you right. know. Um, that's, that's, I guess it's just so many layers to this, but the older I get, the more fascinated I become with freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of, of everything. And, and, um, and I guess early on, I was like, man, like, you know, being a gangster is so fucking cool. You know, like I, 
I just didn't see myself in an office. I just couldn't see it. Like I just just didn't see that happen. And um, at the same time, I also didn't see quite myself like taking the risk of having my freedom being removed. I, I guess right. I didn't have the balls to to take that leap. And I was like, well, wait a second. Like porn is kind of like being a gangster but legally right like people mm. frown upon that shit which i loved mm. you know i love that you know ultimately if you you know went into a dinner with like you know just noble people and you're like well what are you i'm an adult and i'm in porn oh my god what a horrible person like i love yeah. that shit i love but, not being but accepted then they want to talk to you all right yeah <laughs> but but i love being being rejected and not accepted by people that i despised in the first place right so right. that i got a kick out of it you know and and to me that was like sort of that in between and it was the next best thing than 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 doing that so i thought well you know what i want to explore that route but so where does that come from that 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 desire to be despised to, to be rejected by people you despise you know i've always been kind of a provocator you know I, i've always have been terrible with authority you know uh, i couldn't even get a high school diploma you know oh, like, really? that's how far I, i've been kicked out of four schools <laughs> <laughs> i've been literally expelled from four schools really? so that's just a horrible track record with authority what, what were you um, doing you like fighting talking back yeah you know just just all kinds of things you know like like all, just you, you you know you name it just Whatever. terrible fucking kid you know yeah. i just i just hope when i have kids they're they're better than me better behaved than me <laughs> what were you what about with your your family did you respect the authority of your... my my family wasn't being an authority you know my yeah. my dad wasn't a my dad had this has had this vision that kids just raised themselves so he was just like hey whatever you know hmm. and my mom wasn't really a big big figure of they're like that generation that you know, my mom was in that 68 generation. 1968 was the big sort of student revolution in France. Right. And she was in that generation. She didn't, she just kind of despised authority so too. So they're hippies? No, really. I think, I think they're a little bit older than that generation, but they still didn't, didn't like authority. And my dad mm. had a little bit of that aftertaste of World War II so they also had this 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 whole thing, everything that was authoritarian. They they just really didn't like. So there hmm. weren't big authority people. I've, I've I think I've gotten slapped in the face only once in my whole childhood, but hmm. I probably should have. You deserved it. Yeah. I probably should have gotten a few more times <laughs> when did. I think back to it. You, were were you raised within Islam? Was there no Jewish? Of, I my my dad Jewish? was Jewish, ah. and my mom wasn't. You know, so, but I was raised Jewish. Was there a Jewish, like a Jewish community? In Algeria? Yeah, oh, a big really? one, actually. Uh, really? From Morocco, my family uh, uh. originally, uh, you know, went to from Morocco to Algeria. Right. But yeah, but it was it was very Arabic. Like my dad spoke fluent Arabic. He, mm. My dad was in Algeria until he was uh, 23 years old, you know, so that was a big part of his life. Right. You know. Serious. Yeah. yeah. So you're a bad kid, bad getting kicked kid. out of school. Bad kid, complete bastard, because my mom's not Jewish and my dad's oh, Jewish. Oh, right. So um, you're not accepted into the faith of your mom. Right, either you know, way. And, and right. I, was, I was good enough to be to be hated by people who hated Jews, but not good enough to be a Jew. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. how are you going to win from that, right? right? So it's like the worst of worst worlds, really, basically, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't like school, didn't like authority, couldn't connect really with with this whole uh, school system and uh yeah and then thankfully you know i i was able to turn my life around early 20s 
um, I was able to kind of, you know, be like, okay, like, you know, you, you need to figure something out, dude. Right. Mm. Cause I, I, I was, I, I just didn't see myself in the being successful in the conventional way, you know, right. like, like getting a big diploma or like a degree and then applying for a job. I just, I knew I was incapable of, of that, mm. that sort of, uh, path. So I guess, you know, it comes down to it. I, I, I've, I was lucky to find a couple different places and people around my life that, that have shaped that, that path. Were you, did they just sort of appear in your life or did you go looking for them? Both, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, when I was, uh, 23, um, I was just doing, I was fucking around in the TV business and friends, you know? And, uh, that was interesting for a minute. I was, I was like in the reality TV stuff. I thought it was so funny, like people doing the, the, the most ridiculous stuff for money and, you know, and, 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 and it was sort of the early days of reality TV. Mm. I had actually been to, um, you know, Amsterdam and Holland to meet with some, several other big reality TV company, you know, they were just at the early, early days and they were killing it. Is that where it all started? That big brother, was that Holland? Every, every, every valuable, um, format you've ever seen on TV has mostly been created in Holland. Like these guys are fucking monster for the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that early days. They're tiny little market. No. Well, the market is great because they get, they've got a very free, you know, TV and like basically you can do anything you want without a lot of restriction. Ah. People speak English pretty well there. Yeah. Um, so whenever you try something out there, if it works out, most likely it'll work out in England and America. It's like a sort of a test. Uh, yeah. It's a area. great testing ground. And they, they have yeah. a company in them and them all and stuff like that there where they're, they're just monster. So it was really funny there, but, but then quickly got kind of corporate ish again, just didn't, didn't vibe with it. Um, and then this is actually a funny story is, um, so I'm, I'm over there in Paris and, um, it's like this, it's like we're in summer or something like this is, and I'm just thinking, you know, like, like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I really want to be in the adult business. Like I, I'm feeling this, you know, but I had no connection. I had nothing. Right? Now, why are you feeling it? You're feeling it cause you're a horny young dude and you want to like be around There's lots that. of hot women. There is that. But also, you know, I still remember when I was, when I was about 13 years old, I had my first playboy and I really wanted one. So I stopped a guy in the street and I was like, Hey dude, like if I give you this money, can you buy it to me? <laughs> and the guy was cool. Really? He's like, yeah, sure. And I remember looking at these photos of these beautiful women. And then a first instinct I had is look at the end of the magazine. I was like, who are all these fucking dudes living a life? And you know, when you went mm. uh, back in the day, you went at the end of a magazine and it showed you like the entire, right. at least in France, that was like that. It showed you like, you know, this is the chief editor and this, and I was looking at these names and I was like, God damn it. I want to be one of those guys, you know? who gets to work on that stuff that's for i can i can respect that so that stuck with me i still have mm. this image then when i was 13 looking at the end of that magazine so yeah but but then somehow i just the adult industry isn't that big in france you know and um there's a little bit of it but i wasn't really and i had actually this is going to come together in, in that story of my life 
through my reality show days, a, f- a few times they wanted like adult stars or adult stuff. So I had, you know, and they were like, hey, who we need to couple porn star? Who I'll, I'll take that job, you know, I'll, I'll mm. go reach out to them. So I had found a couple of French adult star, you know, just mainly for interviews and stuff that the producer had requested. So I had, and I, and I had met a few people from that world. So I had a teeny bit of a window there, but then, you know, not, not enough to make a career, ask for a job or anything like that. And, um, yeah, so we're in summer and, and I just, I'm just walking down the street. The weirdest thing happened is I literally stop at this window display and to just to look at this jacket or whatever. And then who's on my right is this guy I went to high school with. Right. And I hadn't seen him in over maybe six or seven years, right? Maybe some, maybe even more, you know? But we left, he moved to Spain. That's how the Spain thing come. He had moved to Spain when we were, like we met when we were 12 and he moved to Spain when he was like 16, 17. So that was like, yeah, it was about seven, eight years later. I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, I've seen this guy before. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Mike? You know, Michael, his name was, hey, you know, so we connect back. We go grab a, a coffee together and we catch up. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm in Marbella over there in Spain um, and I'm working real estate, you know, it's kind of boring, but whatever. But but he, he came from this super wealthy family. I'm talking like just fucking crazy rich. Mm. And um, and he's just like, what about you? I'm like, yeah, I work in TV and this and that. And I remember it, it's funny because one of our, back in the day, we had connected over a friendship that we both loved porn, right? Mm. So that topic comes up and he's like, yeah, hey, you know, like remember when we, we thought we were going to do porn and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I remember that. And, and he's like, well, you know, um, we should come over in Spain this, um, this summer and then just hang out. I said, okay, well I'm down. I don't really have a job. <laughs> you know, I don't really have, I just had barely enough money to pay for a ticket. So I go, I go stay with this guy for, this was supposed to be only a couple weeks and he's got this fucking giant fucking penthouse on, on the water in Marbella, super loaded guy. And I'm like, wow, like this guy's fucking killing it. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not happy. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's so I'm like, well, it's, you've got everything to be happy. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. And anyway, we start talking and he's like, you know, I'm like, well, you remember when we said that we always wanted to be an adult? I was like, and I don't know how, you know, I got that idea. I'm like, well, we could technically you have such a nice apartment, whatever. We could just film a porno there, right? And I had a teeny bit of production experience from, my, from just being basically no more than a glorified intern, you know, for less than a year. But I just, I thought I knew about production at least. <laughs> I had the enough, confidence, right? you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> the blind confidence, the of blind youth. confidence, you yeah. know, exactly of the youth. So I'm like, okay, but, uh, you know, we don't have any, any money or whatever, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's cool. Cause, um, you know, if you, if you come and help me out, convince my mom, um, uh, we can get some cash. I right. said, convince your mom. He's like, yeah, well, we just got You just got to come up with a, a fake business plan. You know, I yeah. said, oh, okay. Like, like, like he's done this a bunch of times. Y- yeah. 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 So I'm like, okay, well, I guess we could do that together. So we went there and we started with his mom and I'm like, you know, we're going to do this, this, this online 
poker thing and it's going to be great and it's going to be some website developers and we just need an initial investment and she's like uh huh yeah yeah I, I guess I, ha I, I guess I had some good persuasion skills because somehow she's like okay here's like 25 grand cash you know and he's like okay great and <laughs> two weeks later <laughs> having having flown to Marbella I got this guy you know, who just got 25K cash to make this porno. And now the pressure is on because yeah. we really got to do it. Yeah. You know? What year is this roughly? 2004. All right. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. You know what? Let's do it. You know? So I reach out to the very few, like I kind of like work my way upwards. Like I'm like, okay, I knew this one guy who had this phone number. There was like a, a porn director in France named Fabian. And uh, I knew a few girls or whatever. So I called that guy. I'm like, hey, man, like, if I hire you as a camera guy, you know, would you would you come on and help me out? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll make some intros, whatever. I'm like, okay. So I worked my way back there. And then we, we just, you know, did some research <laughs> about the girls we wanted to hire. And, you know, that was a good excuse to watch a bunch of porn. And like, okay, uh, this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl. Right. So anyway... So you're watching a bunch of porn, like so figuring out who lists. to reach out yeah, to, making right. which girl we want to do. And, and it's, so funny thing is, I'm like, you know what? This this um, this Steve Holmes guy, you know, German guy, is a pretty good performer. Let's see if you know we can reach. Out. Well, actually, no, that happened. I wanted to reach out to Manuel Ferrara because I know he was French mm. and he was a good performer back then, and he had already been sort of recognized in the adult industry. And I thought, you know, it's a French guy; we can speak French, whatever. So I call him up, getting the number from Fabian. Never done a movie in my life, nothing. Like I'm literally a, below a nobody, right? Like, like there's nobody, and then there is where I was. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody. The nobodies wouldn't even go to your party, right? Yeah. And but you know what? He was super cool. He was super polite. He was like, "No, okay, thank you." But I, I'm in LA now. It's kind of a long flight mm. all the way to Marbella. You know, I, I would do it, but I'm just, you know, I can't do it now. But he's like, but one of my best friends, name is Steve Holmes. He's a German guy and he's a great performer. You should give him a call. I said, okay, cool. So I give a call to this guy, uh, Steve, and really cool dude, really nice guy. He's like, yeah, I can do it. No problem. Whatever. Sure. Give me time and places and I'll be there. And, you know, and Steve actually was kind of got an important part in my story later on. But anyhow, somehow I put together this cast and these flights and all that stuff, this this bare bare bone production, and all these people arrive, like you know, half the girls just flaked and don't show up, you know, <laughs> like learning the hard way, mm. and um, and yeah, and 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 Mike's parents were out of town, so so was he living with his parents? In that no, apartment? no, he had his own apartment, yeah, his own place, where we put all the cast. Mm. And his parents had a massive, massive villa in Marbella. I'm talking like just like some of that stuff you see on like the celebrity mansion, you know, mm. like 12 bedrooms. Ridiculous. Do you know where his family money came from? Yeah. Real estate, you know, crazy. In Spain, yeah. on the coast. Yeah. Crazy real estate money. Yeah. So funny thing is, you know, um, we, 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 uh, you know, we, we, Oh no! Oh, okay, I thought, I thought you were you were just just I had something on the mic. No, okay. <laughs> I, it's funny people can't see. I will. I wiped my lip, 
Uh, Greg thought I was telling him he had something on his lip, so he started uh, wiping yeah, his like, lip. What are you I to thought say? he was telling me I had something on my lip, uh, and we, <laughs> we got into this weird, no. this weird loop here. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> like funny how human get like in a in a human loop. But no, uh, I. Um, it's like the thing where you're walking down the hall and you yeah. go left and I go right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So no, I. So I'm like, okay, well, we could shoot this point in your parents' house. It's so fucking right. big. Yeah. It's perfect. Okay, cool. Let's do that. So we end up uh, putting the cast of that, you know, barebone porn production in his apartment. And we end up just starting to shoot this production in the uh, giant house. Thing is, they had a lot of uh, maids and cooks and stuff like oh, that. Right. So we had to work around that, you know, and shoot at night and uh, be discreet about right. it and stuff. And we had, because the, the, the big the apartment only had two bedrooms and whatever, and a pool away, but we had put Steve, the porn actor, in the big villa. Next thing you know, the parents are coming back earlier. <laughs> they walk in on your porn production? Not almost, but not quite, right? So we were about to shoot a scene, and then we just send the, the cast away, and, but Steve was, was staying at the villa. So you had a warning. They'd arrived at the yeah, airport yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, um, so I'm like, fuck, what are we going to do? And I was like, I can't send that. <laughs> it's my first porn production. If I send this guy away telling him that I'm sending him away because my friend's parents are going, I'm going to be like the biggest loser. I'm already a nobody. <laughs> like, so you're pretending like you rented this villa no, or I'm just it's a saying, friend's you know, it's place. a family thing, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's Mike's, it's Mike's parents stuff. Everything's cool. You know, you're a right, guest here. Right. The one thing I had going for me, I'm like, I can't look like an idiot in front of Steve Holmes. He's a big deal in the porn industry. The fuck am I going to do, man? Like his mom is like 10 minutes away, whatever. I'm like, okay, I got one thing going on for myself. One, I can pretend to be confident, even though I'm not right now. And yeah. then, and then two, she, her English is horrible. Right. So they can't speak. So it's cool. Cause he didn't speak Spanish. No, well, she spoke French and Spanish. He spoke German and English. Right. So I'm like, I can totally translate something completely different <laughs> <laughs> in between them both, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I tell Mike who's freaking out like, it's okay. I got it. I got it. So his mom's comes over and she's like this rich lady and she's like, so who, who's this guy? I'm like, oh, it's a, he's a very, very renowned software engineer in Germany. He's exclusively coming here. And, 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 and Steve think that the mom knows. So he's like, hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? And they, I'm like completely translating different stuff in between them. Yeah. <laughs> they think that they're saying one thing and I'm translating another, you know. She's asking about your software design. Oh, yeah, you know. And, and, and he, you know, and just completely translating other stuff. Funny enough, uh, you know, I think at the end she ended up saying in English, like, love your work, right? You love your work. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I love my job. <laughs> I really do. And, you have um, no idea, lady. Exactly. You have no idea, lady. And anyway, she was like, well, this, you know, and then he just sort of grabs her hand and gives her, give a kiss to the girl, to the, and she's like, well, what a gentleman this guy is, you know, like, wow, that he must be a, a really nice. And he was just, you know, a horny bastard, you yeah. know, and it, anyhow, <laughs> miracle. Somehow we finished the rest of the movie in that apartment. We piece it together. It, it's a, when I say a miracle, it's a fucking miracle. We're able to like somehow put together four or five scenes. I think it was five. Um, all with him? He was the only male? No, yeah, Steve and Mike and the girls and all that stuff. We just had done this this whole thing. Oh, Mike? Yeah, Mike? yeah, yeah. He wanted to be in the scene, oh, so I'm like, right. fuck it. And cool. he actually did a good job. So, you know, it was it was like a dream come true for everybody. Yeah. 
but it was a disaster. Like it was, it was really not a great movie, but somehow, <laughs> <laughs> somehow the fact it's kind of like, you know, that participation medal, right. right that they right. give to the kid their last, it was like my participation medal was that I was able to finish the movie. You showed up, you yeah. got it done. But at the end, if, if you're able to anything, even if it's a disaster, if you can finish shit in life, it's always like, hmm. there's that feeling of like, okay, well at least I finished it. Yeah. And okay, well now we're 25 K you know, like deep and I have made no money and it's been like a month and a half and, but you, you know, got the movie done on budget. Y- well, yeah, sort of exactly. But it's, it's on budget. You could say that, but it's just, it's a terrible movie. Right. But you pay the actors. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was paid and, the and, but me yeah. and well, you know, and then nothing. You Captain know? goes down with a ship. Exactly. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, last. so, so, but Steve, who was a fucking really cool dude, man, like he was able to like, he was like, well, you know, you could, you should come to, 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 to uh, the Venus in Berlin and, um, you know, and, 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 and it's in, um, it's in Berlin. It's a really giant, 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 giant trade show. Right. And, um, this way you'll be able to sell your movie. I didn't even know that. I'm like, all right, I'm down. This was pre-piracy days. Okay. So sounds to me like Steve figured out uh, that you were more innocent and yeah, no, but he was, but he was, he was cool about about it, man. He thought it was cool that two young guys are trying to make it in the porn business. Like he was, he was sort of our, our, our kind of like our, our dirty uncle (laughs) in the porn business. He's a fascinating guy. And I'm like, all right, man, let's, let's go ahead and and do it. Um, So I had really no fucking money saved, barely anything. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just make it to, to uh, the Venus show in Berlin. And I showed up there and funny thing is, um, you know, I've got the movie in, in, in that laptop and I'm trying to find people to sell it. And, you know, and, and Mike is like, you know, somehow got food poisoning, got really sick. And he was the one with the money. And he's like, I can't make it on day one. Right. So I'm like, oh my God, like I barely, I didn't have money for the room. Mm. I barely had money for the room. I had nothing. So I'm like, somehow trying to put things in my pocket, telling them I'm going to pay. And, and this is how good at persuasion sometimes I can be if I'm desperate. I somehow convinced them to give me a room and I'll pay the next day. But they were cool or whatever. It was a small hotel in Berlin. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Just my friend. So I'm like stressed out. I have no money for food. <clears throat> and the next day is the first day of the convention. I'm like, okay, listen, I got to sell this fucking movie. I don't care what I do, but there's no way out of this and this is about you know two months later after we finished the movie so i hadn't made no money over three months and um you know steve is really cool he's like yeah man i'll take you to the convention he introduced me to a few people and they're like no we're not really buying right now whatever and then the third person i meet was this guy named um uh wolfgang you know, really German guy, blonde hair, short from the top, like a mullet in the back, you know, like, like, and he was apparently a big deal in the German porn business. Mm. So I sit with a guy and I'm like, okay, it's, it's fucking showtime, man. You got to sell that shit or else you're out of money. You, you don't, I don't even have food for tonight's dinner. <laughs> you're going to be sleeping in the sidewalk. So I'm uh, like, all right, man. So I sit down. I'm like, you know, 
a, I've got this amazing movie for you. I mean, listen, this is this is incredible. You know, I'm a French artist and I've done this <laughs> <laughs> and I'm bullshitting the guy. And Steve is going along with it in German. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I was part of the movie. It's really special. It's short and it's shot in the south of Spain. It's really exotic. It was terribly filmed. There are, even the girls were not even that good. The whole thing was garbage. But man, I'm just putting a great package around that. And the guy is just sort of buying it. He's like, oh, okay, all right, all right. So... How much? So somehow we, we negotiate a little bit and I think I settled, you know, for a total, I think it was like something like 30 grand, which, you know, it was like a 5k profit split in half with Mike. It was $2,500 over almost four months of work, you know, <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. It was funny because walking out of that meeting for me was magical because that was the one moment where I was like, I don't care how much money I made. I made money doing that. Right. And I was like, okay, I just need to figure out how to make more of it. Right. right. But it was a magical moment. I'll never forget in my life because I was like, mm. wow, I made money, you know, in the porn business. It's so cool. It's like, wow. Like, okay, this is it. This is my life. That's at that moment that I was mm. like, okay, like I got to make, I, I got to figure out obviously the ins and outs. Mike comes up the, the second day. I'm like, okay, I sold the movie. It's cool, whatever. You know, I got a, you know, I got a, a purchase from this guy. Okay, cool. Now I'm like, we got to figure out how to, um, you know, how to make it and find other guys that this time we don't have to put up the money and, you know, just do movie for other people. He's like, okay, cool. So, so we end up, we end up uh, walking the trade show. And uh, this was even a little bit harder because no one was really hiring per se. Two random guys who have one movie experience, like mm. you know, that no one needed that. Right. Um, and somehow it was kind of the heyday of the DVD business, you know. So a few Americans were there, and I met this dude, really cool guy named Scott, called a company called New Sensation. And I'm like, okay, this is one of the few American guys there. And Steve knew him, made the intro. Again, really cool guy, man. This guy really helped us, made it at the beginning. And I'm like, hey, Scott, my name is Greg, this and that. And this, this is the movie we made. We had the trailer on a laptop. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. Just come back, see me in an hour, and we'll talk. Come back in an hour. He's like, come back in an hour. I, at the end, I came back to see this guy five times in one day. To the point where he's like, you just, you never fucking give up, right? I'm like, no, man, I really want to do this. He's like, okay, fine, sit down. And I think, I don't know if he was annoyed or if he like respected my perseverance or both, but he's like, you know, okay, listen, you know, if you come to LA, I'll give you a budget for a movie. I'm like, okay, done, no problem. So on that one promise, I literally moved my entire life to LA. And you spoke English from as a kid because all this in Holland you were speaking English. Yeah, yeah, I, I had we you know we learned uh, English in school, and and I had done some some just yeah, I've just you know I've always been good with languages, I guess. You yeah. Know, so. so you were ready linguistically anyway. You were yeah, ready yeah, no, to go. I mean I just had a fucking French accent, so you but, just, but I, I knew what I was what I still do. Yeah, French accent's cool though. That, that's I think a good that's accent. what sold them because ah. because he was like I like Europeans, you know, kind of like you, right? Yeah. So so if a, if a person sat down and they're like from Spain or France, maybe they'd get bonus point, you know. And then, right. So I sat down, 
And he's like, yeah, I like Europeans. I fuck, dude. I, I, I was talk about underqualified. I was not qualified for this. But you know what? He was he was cool enough. And he's like, if you come to LA, I'll give you a gig. Again, I fucking, you know, I work my ass off, you know, like like figuring out the way, you know, to to come to LA with Mike, and we make it to LA. Oh, you and Mike came. Yes, we right, both did. Right. And um, of course, Mike had more money than I did, sure. you know. But I, I ended up sleeping on a couch at this one bedroom apartment, and um, it was cool. Like it was it was my dream. I was in LA. Like what what you know, like how better could it get, you know? And, and, you know, no one was really supportive around me. Everyone was like, ah, you're going to move your life all the way there over this one promise of a movie. You know, what are you doing? You know, you just, just, you barely have anything saved. You're 24 years old or 25, you know, it's not who's saying this to you, friends, everybody, friends, family, the neighbor, the fucking everybody, the dog, everybody's saying this to me. (laughs) So everybody knew you made this porn movie. You weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't shy about it. You know, I was proud about it. But but everyone around me thought it was a dumb idea to move to L.A. and, 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 and do this thing. So. That's Europe, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, Europe. Th- everyone tells you no. Everyone and no is a big is is big. De- it, it's a, that's what I loved about America. That's that's how I fell in love with America, really, because you know when you sit down in America, an American company, Americans in general, they, they even if they think you might be bullshitting them, Americans are like, they're like. Yeah, okay, why not? Let's give it a shot. Right. That word doesn't exist in French. Let's right. give it a shot. There's no translation. <laughs> There's no translation to that. You know, it's it's yeah. more like, what are your credential? Let's see yeah. your resume and right. what have you done before? Right. You know, in America, they, they love that go-getter attitude. That like, yeah. you know what? This guy took the risk to sit down with me. I respect that. I'll give him a shot. Let's see what he's got. Right. And and I and I strived in that. Yeah. You know? So I'm in LA, I'm with Mike, sleeping on the couch. And this guy's not answering the phone. (laughs) You know, how how long has it been since it's been, it's been like maybe a month, you Uh, know, and he had sent one email. He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I was, I wonder if he was just being polite or whatever. He thought he would never really going to make it to LA. My God, dude, it's been first week. No answer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to call like every two day to not be too pushy, but I'm I'm running out of money to fucking, you know, have those noodles. It's the same bullshit. It's come back in an hour again. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing that to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, keep on calling and barely and barely. So finally on we, on two and a half weeks later, the secretary patched me through. I was like, you know, I kept on calling every two days as like a a, a ritual almost. And she like, well, I spoke with Scott. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. He always keeps his word. He's just very busy. You've got a meeting with him. Uh, can you come tomorrow? At, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm like, before you ask me if I, I pick a time, I'll be there. Yeah. And, you know, I showed up. The guy was really chill. He's got this big fucking porn company in the valley in Chatsworth. You know, very successful guy. And um, kind of had a, an office like mine today, you know, with your words behind and stuff. And, um, yeah, and he's like, so, um, yeah, cool, man. You guys are here. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're here. You know, he's like, wow, I didn't think you were going <laughs> to take me up on that promise. Yeah. But you know what? I'm stuck. Cool, let's yeah. do this. And he's like, just go next door, and um, this my accountant will give you a check for, uh, you know, whatever, for 30 grand or whatever, and make a movie. Wow, I couldn't believe this guy trusted me like that and just gave us a check and just 
off we went to make, make a, a movie. movie. Yeah. No, no structure, no use this actor, do this, nothing. nothing. Just make a movie. Well, the one thing we had to do is make five scenes out of it, yeah. you know? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that, and pay ourselves. Did he give you equipment or did you have to nothing. go rent that? or Nothing. Yeah. So it was just like, come back with a movie. You wow. Know? And um, yeah, and I think with Mike, you know, at least, you know, I told him this, it was, it was actually harder on me, but, but I thought to myself, you know what, if we, if I, I thought this is the economic of how I worked it, I was like, okay, well, we're probably not the only one he's done that with, right? Mm -hmm. He's probably made that gimbal several times. And this is probably the way, this is how my mind started analy analyzing how that porn business worked at the time. It's not like that anymore. I'm like, okay, so, so company owners give budget to guys who then bring movies and then that have a certain value based on that budget i said well if i take the bare minimum out of that budget and i'm talking like you know like enough to fucking eat you know like those those water noodles in the microwave ramen yeah ramen noodles exactly just just barely bare bones like i take like 500 bucks out of the 30 grand then i'm gonna have a crazy edge over all the other people he's done that with because everyone wants to take a fat cut out of this so he's like, yeah, I'm down for that. So we do like the first movie where we basically almost were make virtually no money off of it. And he's like, whoa, how did you guys do this? All these shots. And, right. you know, we, we hire a steady cam operator and, and we, uh, we get some crazy hot actresses that have higher rates and all that stuff. And this guy is like super impressed by the quality we're delivering. I mean, he doesn't know we didn't fucking pay ourselves, you know, or he doesn't care. But he's like, wow. Okay, and then he gave us another one, another one. It, it really came down to one of the big principles I learned in my life about sacrifices. About, you know, it's like if you want something, you know, you, you have to give a piece of yourself or a piece of something, right? And I really wanted to be a, a, an adult director. A lot of people in the adult business, they have this weird... Uh, complex versus mainstream, right? Where, or like, or people from mainstream think that, you know, everybody in porn is like a failed mainstream director. No, I don't fucking want to do mainstream. I am exactly where I want to be. Hmm. I want to be anywhere else. This right. is where I wanted to be. And I didn't want to be a mainstream. If I wanted to be a mainstream director, or I would have done that. I'm exactly where I want to be. Right. I don't want to be anywhere else. So, yeah. I made that sacrifice. I gave a piece of myself doing this and little by little, I just ended up, yeah, working for Scott for a little while. And, um, and that was, that was, a, that was how I ended up coming to America. Nice. That's amazing. So you, so he gives you 30,000 and essentially what you did was you put all 30,000 into making the movie. 29,500 right. minus 500 bucks of ramen noodles. Right. And, and Whereas water. a normal guy would have spent 20 on the movie yeah, and taken and take 10. 10 for him or whatever, even more, you know, right. cause people were trying to make fat money off of that and just a cut budget where, yeah. you know, and it comes down to one of the other principle that I've guided my life is in order to be successful, you have to be talked about mm. in order to be talked about you have to be remarkable right people don't talk about average shit you know right. like i'm not gonna be like listen chris there's this really average thai restaurant down the street you gotta try it out man oh, i've been there average you know? thai it's great <laughs> their 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 pad thai is so average typical you're gonna thai. love it yeah no, i'm gonna tell you man this thing this thai restaurant is so amazing it blew yeah. my mind it's nothing like so i knew from the get-go 
that in order to be successful, I had to be remarkable. And to be remarkable, I had to make some sacrifices. Right. And those have been some of the principles that have dictated, you know, all all of my life. And um, yeah, that's that's how I kind of got into the porn biz. So mostly, you know, some luck. Steve Holmes was a big help, you mm. know, and, and I really fucking wanted it. Yeah. I really wanted it because because I was I was such a failure before. You know, I I had nothing going on for myself. And I really didn't think that I would do well in Europe and especially not in some sort of conventional sort of office. Yeah. It was terrible. It was death yeah. for me. Yeah. So when I saw that window and I sold that movie in Berlin to that German guy, I was like, that's it. That's my life right here, right there. Right. That's where I'm making my life. So this, I mean, you've been talking a lot about the business of it and, and how to break into an industry. What about the the technical stuff and the aesthetics and like how to run cameras and angles and framing right, and editing? Right, right. Well, how'd you learn all that? Uh, sort of on the go, you know, kind of a funny story on, about that because I had been around camera doing that that TV stuff, but I didn't fucking know how to hold a camera. Mm. I didn't, you know. Yeah, I had you a were good, an intern or something. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I had no idea how to do. Let me put this. I was underqualifying about everything. Yeah. I was just a bad kid that had no high school diploma. I had no qualification, no talent, nothing. So you just learned as you're doing it. Yeah, you know, I uh, when I uh, when I sat down the first time with Scott, he's like, "Yeah, you know, the, the, those are nice shots. You, you know how to handle a camera? Absolutely, absolutely. I know. Answer to everything is yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, right? But I didn't know, right? Yeah. So right before I." Um, I um, uh, I left for America. I just just fucking read as many books as I could. It was pre YouTube days, really. So I just sort of try right. to find some some courses, you know, uh, at the library and read about angles and framing and whatever. And yeah. man, I just I just I I I was I just dived into it, you know. And I, I feel like if you want to learn the skills to the point where your life depends on it you're going to fucking get to it. Right. And my life depended on it because I was like, if I show up to America and I can't fucking hold this camera, like I'm fucked. Right. So in, f I think it was three to four to six weeks between the moment Scott was like, Hey man, like come to America. And I just dived into books and, mm. and, and videos and stuff and everything I could get my hands on. And then I was semi ready, I guess when, when we just started the movie, rented a camera. I'm like, yeah, I already know the manual of that camera. Right. I know how to, I know theoretically, and I just, you know, shot it the best of my ability. What, what I love about this is, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in their 20s. I mean, there are right. people of all ages, but in terms of the emails I get and a lot of the response I get is, is right. young people who are sort of starting out in life. They don't want that job in the cubicle. They don't want right. it, the normal life, but they don't know how to go about it. They don't know what to do. And a lot of them are like, well, I guess I should go to grad school and no, 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 And what I always tell them is like, no, don't, don't start out your life in debt. Right. You want to learn something, go do it. Go, go find someone who will let you hang around, you know, someone who does the thing you want to do. Work your ass off, be right. available, be eager, be, be smart, thing. be enthusiastic, and just, you know, someone will let you hang around and see how it yeah, works. Yeah, I, I guess I guess a lot of it also has to do with, like, you know, if you want, people will have what they have to have, right? That's mm. the way I feel about things. And 
you know, in my, I, was, I didn't learn how to hold a camera. I had no choice, right? If I wanted to be in the adult business, that was my way in. I didn't have anything, right? And, and, and that was, that was my way of getting in. And Mike had a family that had money. I didn't, but I was like, I gotta be the camera guy because if I'm not, I, I've got no value in this partnership. Right, right. So I had to figure this out quick. And I do get a lot of, I get a lot of emails from, from guys that want to work and, and girls and stuff. And I think one of the biggest thing I see them missing, you know, I had to read a book, um, even though I hated fucking school, I, I always loved books, you know? And uh, one of the cool books I read early on in life was that one from Dale Carnegie, mm. um, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right. And in it, he had this this um, this really interesting letter, you know, in that book. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I'm familiar. I've never read it, but I've it's read quotes from it. It's an interesting thing. It's wrote it's in famous. that super old book, but whatever. Yeah. And in it, he gives the example of how this lady that's applying for a job is writing the right letter. And all, all she does really is she says, she starts the letter by saying, you know, this is a really old book from the twenties or 30. I don't know. It's really old. Yeah. Right. And she's saying like, Hey, my experience doing this, this, and this, and this, and that should be a value of you because of this, this, and this, and that. And, and I've always taken that little tool to start with value anytime I reached out to someone. And it really worked for me early on in life when I was really nobody. And that's the biggest mistake where I see these people emailing and they're like, hey, you know, I'd love to work for you. You know, I'm looking for this, this, and this, and this. I don't give a fuck what you're looking for. Exactly. I don't give a fuck. What do you have for me? Exactly. Yeah. Start with value. Yeah. Like that is the literally, if I had to give one advice to people is... You know, learn to listen, number one. Learn to fucking listen. I learned that very late in life myself. And two, you know, start, if you're going to reach out to someone or cold call someone or just send an email or you've got that small window, what it, like just give me one sentence, what it is can you bring to the table? Even right. if you're unqualified or whatever, it doesn't matter if you're going to say, I'm the most motivated guy. I will clean your windows and I don't, or I'll just, I know how to hold a camera. Start with value. Yeah. And then it's your job to link that value to how it's going to fit into that person's life or company. Right. So people will hit up and they're like, you know, I'm looking for a mentor and I'd love to do this. And, you know, it, don't talk about you, man. You yeah. broke the cardinal rule of reaching right. out to, to people. If you want something out of them, you better have value to bring to the table. That's the number one mistake I see from people reaching out to me on Instagram or whatever is, man, where's your value? You got to yeah. have value, you know? And number two is, you know, even if you do have skills and you're like, well, you know, um, I am, um, you know, like uh, I have a master degree in accounting. Okay. So does what everyone else. What the fuck else? do you want me to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and and it's, if you say, hey, I'm really good with numbers and I bet, and I, you know, I've, I've really looked into production costs and I bet that. I could join your company and I could save you tons of money hmm. by compressing some production costs that right. you haven't paid attention to. Or I know some special law about what, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's your job to say, what can you do for me if you're reaching out? And that's the one notion that I knew right away early on, thanks to this book, really, hmm. um, that it wasn't about me. It was about them. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, it was about them. And uh, yeah. That's that's a great lesson. Yeah, I, I did a I think my least popular podcast episode ever 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a bad mood one night, right. and I decided to read some of the ridiculous emails that I get from people <laughs> right. and explain why they're so stupid to, oh, to write God. these kinds yeah. of emails. And they, they were all like that. They're all like, you know, hey, man, I haven't had time to read your book yet, but could you explain to me why bonobos are different from chimp? Like, well, who are you? Yeah, yeah like you're, you're some dipshit yeah. that I've never heard of, and you want an hour of my time. <laughs> right? Delusional. Or can you call me because, you know, I want you to talk to my mom about, like, like what? Are you delusional? What? Come on. Value yeah. first. Start with value first, man. Yeah. Like, people just yeah. don't see that. Like, like and, and this is the one key thing I learned in life is, like, you know, you sit down with someone, you reach out to someone by email, your first sentence should be, this is what I can do for you. Literally, your first sentence should be, it should say through or through skill, doesn't matter if you don't have any skills, you have motivation, you have hardworking, yeah. you've got values, right. doesn't matter. This is what I can do for you. Literally, your first sentence should right. say what you can do for that well, if person. If you're asking someone for their time, you have to be respectful of the fact that they've got very little of it. And there's yeah. a reason they should give some of it to you and not to the hundred right, other e- right. people sending them emails every day. But it's a generation of very delusional yeah. millennials that I yeah. see myself. I you know, right. like yeah. I, I'm 35 they years all, old. And we're pissing on the audience here, Beth. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think I think the successful no, one are not ones. like that because yeah. yeah. I've seen some kids that are like killing it because they fucking right. get it, man. Right. They, and they, actually, they're lucky because they have less competition because so many other people their age don't get it. Right, right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I absolutely. didn't get it either. I, what am I talking about? Martin and I, my buddy, we, we were driving over here today and I, we were sort of, we're, we're talking about like, what would you change about the past? Because we've known each other for really? 30 years. We're like, if you could change one thing about your past, what would it be? His was he would never start smoking. Really? Yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. I think, I don't know. I, I'm not a big regret guy, you know? Yeah, I, I, no, me either. Just str- strategically. Strategically, I think, I think, I think strategically is I would read more. Hmm. I'd read the fuck lot more. I thought I liked books, but then, you know, you get busy. I would read a lot mm, more. Yeah. Number two is I would, I would work on my fear of failure early on in life. Mm, that's you know? a good one. I would learn, I would learn to, to, you know, to really just, just figure out a way to work or like work with my fear of failure. I was terrified of failure, terrified, mm. terrified. Did that motivate you in doing these things we're talking about? Cause you don't, a guy who flies to California from France with no money right. on one promise doesn't sound like a guy who's afraid of failure to me. I think, I think the way I rationalized it in my, at the time is I had, I, I was, I had no options, you know, in my head. Mm. I was like, you know, it's that, or I'm just not just totally just, fucked. Just I'm yeah. fucked. Cause, yeah. I, cause, cause I've got no fucking future in this, in this, in Paris. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't really a big gamble because I was, I wasn't gambling anything. And the right. more, the more established you become in life, the biggest the fear is, or the more you're mm. like, Oh, I've got this little, little thing. I don't want to lose it. Or I, yeah. you know, so it's easier to gamble when, when you don't have much to, right? So is, do you think the, is the fear of failure something that you're dealing with more now than you were when you were younger? Less now, but what was really difficult for me was opening my own company. Right, because you had this inner interim period where you were working with Reality Kings. And yeah, I was working. That was a great time. Um, I was working with Reality Kings and and you know with some guys that even you know uh, with Mike and all and and uh, different Mike from yeah your, different your, Mike your uh, you buddy. know I see Mike 
awesome guy. Learn a lot from him. I'm um, gonna have him on the podcast sometime. We he's agreed to do it. Yeah, so. he's a great guy. Yeah, he learn learn fantastic businessman. Just just fucking on all level. That guy has been incredible. Um, Why is he called Icy Mike? Because oh. he's so calm under pressure. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> you'd have to ask him. You'd have to ask him. Uh, you know. Uh, 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 the 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 reasoning behind it. I think it has something to do with diamonds, you know, like oh like diamonds, Einstein, you know? okay. But right. but you know, I'm sure he's got a good story yeah, behind I'm it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. But uh, so you were working with him, you were doing really well. And this the porn industry was sort of taken, like it was rising. It was no, or, no. Well, yeah, I met him, I met him, and I worked with him for eight years. Right. You know, it was fantastic, <clears throat> right? And other guys too. Yeah, it was great, great ride, and and I and I think honestly, like, you know, I was doing very good money, and I was I was becoming more and more successful. Man, my own production company here in LA, and he was in uh, Florida, and um, you know, it all comes down to me why I didn't start my own company early on, earlier than that. Honestly, these guys weren't stopping me from doing it. No one was stopping me from doing mm. it. I was just fucking scared. Mm. You know, I was so scared. Because I had finally found a, a balance where I was like, okay, I've got, you know, a, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm a producer, I'm a director, I've got, I'm making really good money, you know, you could just lose it all, you know, stop this, someone's gonna take your place, and, but you know, then I realized like, like we're so fucking wired to be sense to be to be to be receptive to fear. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That fucking caveman you know, mentality that I'm going to think of the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and then stick to that. Cause it's, cause that's really vivid, right? I'm going to think of the worst case scenario possible. And then, you know, and, and then just, just think of that as the, as the possible outcome or at least the most likely outcome, but that's just not true really. Yeah. You know, unless you bring it on by thinking about it so much, you can. Yeah. And, and in reality, you know, you just, yeah, I think, I think, I think fear of failure, for some reason, what was interesting is when I joined these guys, the business was doing amazing and then slowly declined with piracy. Right. And as piracy was growing, I guess my confidence grew as well somehow. Mm. Not no relation, but somehow I got the, I, I finally got the fucking courage to open my company at the worst time in the adult industry history. Right. That was funny. It's like I finally got the, the, the courage to open my own company at the time where literally everyone, every quote-unquote expert, everybody was saying, well, the adult industry is over. There's no more money to be made in it. Because it's all gonzo, well, ultra no, low Because it's budget. all free. Because it's, it's, that's free. it. The right. piracy has decimated the adult right. industry. And to some extent, I'd say about 90% of the people I met when I started are gone, 95%. Huh. So that's how much it decimated the business. Right. Um, and that's in 10 years, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, it just, yeah. well, the, the piracy part was like, wow, like it was. Hit hard. It hit hard the industry, yeah. man. It hit hard the industry. So, but at that time, I had conquered my fear of failure and I realized, like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know? And, and I think the biggest part of conquering your fear of failure is to start, you know? Because when you're in the imaginary world, you're sitting at home or wherever you are and you're like, you know what? If I did this, this would happen. You're just fucking speculating shit. Right. You know, you right. don't know what the fuck's going to happen. That's you're true. just, you're just speculation and speculations are just that 
Yeah. You know, like speculation are just so untrue, and it's been proven in history over and over and over. People speculate all kinds of shit that never happened. You know, yeah, and and all kinds of things that that weren't expected happen. Right, right, but good things, good things, no, opportunities absolutely. arise that you couldn't have and possibly imagined. You got to figure out that yeah. you're wired to think negatively, and and just just fear is just is such a strong thing, you know. Yeah. And for me, it was very strong. You know, my my father had lost all his money. So for me, it was a big deal, mm. you know, to just risk it. Mm. It was a really big deal, you know. Yeah. I, I was I was wired that way because you know it's it's I, I, I kind of had both experience. My 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 dad was doing really really well um, up until I was twelve years old, twelve thirteen years old, and then somehow you know. There was a stock market crash and a real estate crash, and he lost a lot of money and then went to jail on top of that. And then one day, you know, I was I was literally uh, back from school. I was alone at home. We live in this really nice apartment in Paris, and fucking uh, IRS, at least the French IRS, comes up. They knock at my door. There's the cops there. Hey, your parents are there? No, they're not there. Well, okay, well, we're going in anyway. They're coming in. The cops come in my place. And they take everything, like movers, like moving trucks. So he got busted tax fraud. Yeah, or some shit they're, like they're, that. yeah. they're they're seizing. Yeah, the, he, he it was it was not even tax. It was just ta- owed tax. They see they're taking everything. And mm. what I mean, everything, I mean everything. And mm. it what even even my, they, they even took my own bed, you know, and my my bedroom. <laughs> you know, they took my bedroom. They took the little desk that I had. They took they took everything. I mean, I was I was. Yeah, I was I was thirteen years old. They took everything. They took everything. By law, they have to leave one chair, and they left one chair. <laughs> they have to it's leave one real. chair. By law, they, at the time, by law, they, they have to leave one chair. They left one chair, oh, right? But they took everything. They took the okay. cooking stuff. They took the table. They did took your parents painting. come home meanwhile? Or no, even? because they did it, dude. They showed up with like. 10 or 15 movers. I and mean, it's the just, government. They don't pay yeah, for shit, so right, whatever, you know. They had right. two moving trucks, 10, 10, 15 guys, four or five cops. Apartment was emptied in like three, two, three hours. Damn. So I'm sitting there watching them empty my apartment. Like, all my life is being emptied, right? Wow. And later on, not too far after that, we lost the apartment. But to me, that was a big thing. I was like, I'll I'm going to fucking do like my dad did. I'm going to lose my. I'm going to lose my money. I'm, I, the very little that I accumulated, I'm going to lose it. So how do I, and you know what, little by working on myself, I realized that honestly, if I had to give one advice to overcome your fear, my, for me it was my fear of failure, you know, it's just to start because mm-hmm. it's so less, once you start, you're too busy to be scared. Yeah. Right. So I just started my company. I just fucking started it. Yeah. I just started it. I, I, I had so many good reasons not to do it. I said so many intelligent experts, people that knew more than me, this and that, telling me it's a bad idea. I was going to lose everything. I had so many quote-unquote good reasons not, but I still did it because I knew I could deep down inside. So I just did it. And these are high-end subscription Adult uh, sites. Adult sites, right. Yeah, basically. So you went the opposite way of where everyone said the market was going. Yeah, yeah, essentially. I mean, and it was, I wasn't going to, that's what I knew how to do. But yeah. I knew that in my mind, the one thing I knew this, overcoming my fear, I just started. 
And starting, I was just, you're just busy when you're starting th- something. So it's like, you're not even scared anymore. You're just starting. Starting is the hardest part. It's interesting that what you did is, for, like, your sites are are now, they're, like, the value that they bring is that they are really good at a lot of the stuff you had no idea how to do, the production values. Well, I learned along the way, and I become really passionate about cinematography, and I become really passionate about production, and I learned those skills. I mean, I had I had a lot of practice, you know. Wow. I, I, it it was it was in my mind. I was like, okay, how do I open an adult company or an adult studio at the time where piracy is the worst it's ever been, and people don't want to pay. And everybody was like, well, you got to do the cheapest, cheapest possible content Mm. because there's so very few people that are willing to pay anymore that, you know, you got to make your money back fast. And I said, okay, I'm going to go the opposite direction. (laughs) I'm going to make something that's so fucking good, that's so remarkable that people will actually talk about it, you know? And yeah, it wasn't too bad to be, too hard to be remarkable during that time because Everyone was 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 thinking, hey man, I gotta be as cheap as possible. No one wanted to invest money in production. But right. I knew that if I was able to create production values that were remarkable, I would be able to target not the masses, not the people that go on tube site. I would be able to target the hardcore fans. And in my mind I thought, okay, well, Listen, there's there's a couple ways to go about it. Everyone's going for that mass market, right? But but the masses want average shit. You know, they don't care about remarkable stuff. So I thought to myself, well, if I make adult content that's incredible, that's like that golden age era adult content where it's cinematic, it's beautiful. You don't know if it's a fashion magazine or if it's an adult. You 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 it just even confuses the vision. I had all this vision, and then if I could get that to market i know that as the, the 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 people that are motivated buyers will respond to that mm. and did you also can we talk about the sites yeah yeah of the, course the, the, talk about black tushi vixen yeah we started with black right which was interesting because it was into a niche that was also but i mean i i've learned so hard in my life to just not listen to people period mm. if you've got something in your head and you think it's gonna work out you're probably on something you know so are you were you also thinking like what is the what is the appetite of those hardcore fans what is it that they're turned on by or what they want to see I, I thought about deeper than that i thought about it in terms of of i'm gonna bring quality and a value that is unprecedented in this market you know mm. And I'm going to do it in a way that, yeah, again, it's going to be sacrifices. I'm not going to have margins like crazy. But these guys, even if they're doing scenes that are 10x cheap, 10 times cheaper than me, they're struggling to sell them still, mm. right? So the logic is, you know, you, I've, in today's world, I don't think you can win that, that war. If you're doing average shit, doesn't matter if it's adult content or water or sofa or furniture or whatever, is the people just go sort by cheapest. Right. That's it. They'll sort by cheapest and they don't care. You know, they'll sort by cheapest. Oh, what's the cheapest, whatever with us. I was like, man, I look at what I do as art and I look at what we do as a team here as art. Right. And I think I want to create the coolest, most inspiring adult art possible 
so that people look at this and they don't, they don't one, they don't feel bad buying it, you know, because it's cool, it's hot, but it's mm. not degrading. Right. And th- two, it's also something that when they buy it, they feel like the value of their purchase is worth it. They're like, this isn't some cheap shit, man. These guys put a lot of a lot of work into that. Right. And and quickly we we earn like really fierce loyalty of customers. Like really quickly, as soon as they reach the market, people are like, hey man, this is a really incredible product. Like I've never seen something like that. I'm in, I'll buy, mm. I'll stay, you know? Right. And that was really our edge to markets is we were able to bring a quality of cinematography, of photography, of production that was that was just non-existent at that time. Do you have any idea how much of your audience is women? Is yeah. That... It depends on the brand, but on Vixen, you know, we're, we're upwards on the 30%. Really? You know? So, yeah, women wow. and couples, you know, because we're very yeah. close to our customers. So we get a lot of emails from couples, you know, saying, hey, man, this is cool, you know, from even older couples and, right. and, and you know, their 50s and mid-50s. Hey, and hey, hey, that's not older. That's, <laughs> that's just barely middle-aged. Okay, middle, what are you talking I'll about? Say, I'll, okay, I'll say middle-aged. Older couples. <laughs> God damn. Older than me. Older than me. So so we get a lot of emails from, from customers that are like, man, this is really cool. I love what you yeah. do with my wife. It's great foreplay. We get a lot of email from females. Mm. Um had a great conversation um, with with this writer the other day about, you know, like female porn. You know, mm. uh, I think it's bullshit. Mm. Um, like like porn is porn. It's there's not no, a female sensibility he, or what do you mean? I, I agree with that. I would I would I would agree. I don't think there is a female or male sensibility. Uh-huh. I, I don't think I think humans have different tastes and flavors and I don't Mm. think you can put females or males for a matter of fact in the same box. Mm. I think it's, I've seen me with a really large customer database of customers. I've seen female giving feedback that are so different that no one could make a generalization out of it. I've seen males, you know, complaining that it's too hard. And I've seen females yeah. complain that it's too soft. You know what? You know, I, you and I at dinner the other night were talking about Rocco Sifredi. Right. I had never heard of him. I was working at private uh, doing translation and shit for them. I think we talked about that. Right, 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 right. It was a funny story. Um, but uh, you started with value when you reached out to them. I did. I did. Yeah, you exactly. See? I can improve this, your site. You, yeah. you called yeah. the first line was like, yeah. hey, my name is Chris. I can improve your site. Your yeah. translation is terrible. Yeah. I'm, I can translate it. Boom. You get yeah. a reply. Yeah. It's true. It's funny. And I didn't even know they were in Barcelona. That was, you know, again, that's like just start and things happen. Right. Right. But um, I I remember I was looking on a woman. It was like the pleasure chest or a woman owned like feminist um, sex toy site. Okay. Because I was buying a Hitachi magic wand. I've given probably a dozen Hitachi magic wands as gifts to women over the years. That's it's a great gift. That's a great gift. And in Europe, it's a complicated gift because they don't make it to run on 220. So you have to give her a transformer as well. Wow. And explain, like, you got to plug gi- this into the wall. <laughs> That's a lot of plug explanation. This in, I know, it's hardware. And it's all like... It kind of kills, kills the mood, too. <laughs> it is a problem. But, you know, if it's right. the right kind of woman, it's okay. worth it, you know? Uh, but anyway, I was ordering a Hitachi magic wand from the site and then I looked at their, like they had DVDs and, okay. and, uh, that's where they had this Rocco Sifredi site. 
or, mm-hmm. or a recommendation right. written by women. Right. And it was like, if you like your sex rough and degrading, but like with some romantic Italian romanticism. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's so, then I just watched some of his movies and I just saw, saw a documentary about him recently. Mm-hmm. Fascinating dude. Yeah. Great dude. Yeah. Really seems like a good guy. Yeah. yeah but a cool it's dude. fucking rough and crazy sex. And it just always seemed funny to me that that came to me by way of, of like feminist lesbian w- website. Yeah, but I, I think which you, proves your point. I, I think you could be feminist. You could be whatever you want to be. I, I don't think sexuality is meant to be, first of all, policed in any way, shape, mm. or form, or whatever. As long as you're not hurting anyone, right? Um, and I, and I think that when people saying porn for women, I find that quite condescending, almost to be honest, because. Mm. I've seen a lot of, I've met a lot of female that like really hardcore adult content. And right. I've met a lot of male that like really softcore stuff. Right. What does it say? What does right. it say? It's nothing. It just right. means that as humans, we're creators of layers and we don't, we don't really, uh, we don't really fit in boxes. You know, I know it's really trendy. People want to fit in categories and mm. boxes and this is what female like. And this yeah. is what people in New York like. And this is, it's fucking bullshit. In, in reality, People are complicated, you know, like, like I, I, I know for a fact that out of, you know, I've, dude, we've sold a lot of membership, a lot, and we have a lot of members. And I could tell you that none of the women I've interacted with in my life have anything in common in terms of what they like, or there's like, mm. in terms of watching adult content, it's exactly like if you said, and the best example I could give her, she was also uh, a uh, a really good, really good writer. She was also a feminist. And I sat down and I said, well, how would you feel? Because I, I know people use that tool in marketing a lot, like, oh, porn for women. I was like, how would you feel if I, forget I'm an adult video director. Let's say I'm an adult film. I, I make horror movies. And I sat down with you and I look at you with a straight face and I told you, well, I made this horror movie for women. It's a little bit less scary because mm. I know you women don't, don't, don't like watching scary stuff. It, you'd fucking laugh at me. You'd mm. say, wait, what? You made a horror movie for women that's a little bit yeah. less scary? It's like, as, it's like someone said, well, I made a computer for women that's like pink and people would just, right. just, just burn you alive. You, you right. would get ridiculed. Yeah. So why then porn, you would have porn for women? Makes no sense. Women as, are yeah. as kinky as men, period. Do you think kink would exist without inhibition? In other words, if we didn't have institutions and people telling us, don't do this, don't, don't think about that, don't, right, right. don't put your dick here, don't touch that. Because I think about this a lot. Like I'm, I'm in the business, you are too, I guess, of, of destigmatizing sexuality sure. in a lot of ways. And like I have a friend who calls me the shame exorcist, you know, like right, I, right, I like right. to talk about stuff people don't talk about. Just to sh- like demonstrate, like, hey, you're not going to die if you admit you jerk off, right, or, right, you know, right. whatever. And uh, but sometimes I think, like, I wonder if sex is hot because of the prohibitions. Like, if there Absolutely. were no prohibitions, would it just be like scratching your balls? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think I think restrictions and 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 all of that. It's kind of like rules, right? Like mm. it's 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 fun to break them, right? <laughs> so it, we need the rules so people like you and me can break them. I guess to some extent, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's 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 an interesting theory, but I, I do think that inherently. 
people are, uh, you know, sensitive to uh, sexuality in general, and, and especially in America, where mm. God, people are so much more conservative here than than in Europe. You know, which is um, funny because, like, what eighty percent of the world's porn is made here, right? Right, but Something it's like also that? it's also says yet that because it's a more conservative society, right? That's why. That's people, why the market. Pe- people enjoy it more. Um, like Utah downloads more porn than any other state per capita. Or yeah, something. you know, you have to prove these figures and stuff like that. You know, I'm always careful when I, when I look at this data and stuff like that. But but yeah, you know, it's it's ultimately there is there is um there there's a big demand here. You know, yeah. but there's a big demand in France. There's a big demand in Germany. There's a big demand. In Europe, as oh, and in general, it's a big demand everywhere in the world. Um, I, for me, I consider myself that I'm in the entertainment and art business personally. Mm. Like, I don't think, I don't think porn should have any kind of responsibility towards educating. It's not right. an educative tool. Right. I think parents should be able to educate their children. That's that should be a good start. Right. Um, I think I don't. I think for me, we're in the entertainment industry. We're we're here to offer people a mental recreation so that, you know, they can just es- escape from, from reality for, for, for a few minutes or an hour or however long and, and just enjoy that. Right. Same way than a video game or a good book or a good movie. Right. Nothing different. Right. That's what it is. It's not meant to educate you when you're watching, you know, Mission Impossible you're not thinking it's a good idea to jump from a rooftop or when you're watching, you know, like Scarface, you know, it's not, saying you should be a drug dealer or you should do cocaine it's here to entertain right the same way when you read read a book it's been the same thing in history so Mm. yeah i i don't think porn should ever be related to sex ed in what in any shape or form personally that's that's my way but i do feel that society in general has taken upon itself especially in america to to be very demeaning and, and shameful towards sex worker in general. Right. And, and people that create that work, you know, and people get so angry when I say what I, it's funny. Cause it's, it's like, it's very easy to trigger people nowadays. Um, but especially when I say, well, I, I feel that what I do is art. Oh my God. People get so, and it's, mm. it's interesting. A lot of it is it's guys or girls even that just say, well, well, what do you, you know, you think that just sucking a dick is art, you know? And I said, well, no, it depends who's doing that, you know? And, and second, you know, <laughs> and exactly. Right. <laughs> and second, you could, you could literally take anything, anything yeah. and, and just and diminish it, it and yeah. diminish it. You could take or enhance it. I well, mean, yeah, make, exactly. Making a fucking omelet can be art, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Or you, could, you can you just could, slap it together. It's yeah. easy. Oh, you just, you know, you're a singer. That's not art. You yeah. know, just, it's been going on, and on right. for history. So right. I don't like people define what I do. I define what I do. Right. And I feel that it's giving wings to everyone in the team and the people behind and in front of the camera to feel like what they're doing, something that's substantial, something that's important. Yeah. I don't want to take up your whole day. No, I really, as long as you want. I, I, you know, really appreciate you coming in on a Saturday and no, and no, I got all the, I got all day for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. um, you know, it's funny we haven't really even talked about porn much, right? Which uh, who cares? I mean, it's that it's about maybe about life episode two. <laughs> with, yeah, episode two. I'd love to, but the one I wanted to wrap up with a, a question though, because a lot of this conversation has been about 
you know, your, your path to success, right, the, right. the chances you took, the near misses, the, you know, the right, right. cliffs that you didn't fall off and all that. And I'm sitting here with you now. We're in your offices. You've got 40 or 50 people here. You've got an office in Montreal. You got another one in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got an empire. You, right. You've like climbed this mountain, right? That you right. saw in the distance as a kid. But I'm sitting here looking at you and you're a humble, kind guy. Your eyes are clear. You don't have like movie star eyes right, or right, millionaire right. eyes, which you right. find a lot in L.A. People who got really? layers yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of protection. You right. just seem like a very genuine dude. How do you of all the other things you've mm. succeeded at? That's probably the most impressive to me. How do you stay real? I think, you know, one of the lessons I learned in life is being vulnerable makes you stronger. Uh, you know, it's like if you're trying to be tough, I, I used to do that. No, and people see through this shit. You yeah. know, you're not a tough guy. You know, like, like you, yeah. you're not a tough dude. You're just trying to be tough, you right. know? So for me, I've accepted my vulnerabilities and my weakness and my strength as well. And that, that you know, that has made me stronger. Ultimately, when, when, when I talk to a lot of people, they look at my Instagram and they look at me, oh, look at this fucking dude with his Versace shirt and shit. And I said, listen, man, I do what it takes to be noticed. Right. That's my fucking business. Yeah, I I'm see in, you have a public persona. I'm in the yeah. business of being noticed. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you don't like Versace shirts or if you think it's cheesy. I get you to talk about it. Right. Then and I. Right. Ultimately, my responsibility is to get people to talk about my studios and my brands. That's it. That's my responsibility is to be noticed. Once they've noticed, it's too late because they're like, wait, what? Wow, that's really cool, man. I, they, these guys got a girl out of a helicopter over LA. They got, they got this. And I do this same thing over our content as well is people have preconceived ideas of her adult. Then they look at our stuff and they're like, well, I didn't know it was adult. Wait, what? I already liked it. It's too late. You know, mm, right. now I have to rethink the way I, I, I consider adult. So yeah, for me, it was funny because the first year, you know, I even win an IVN award, you know, it was like, I had waited eight and a half years for this, you know, over nine, almost nine. And, you know, I'm so excited. I'm winning my first IVN award. It's, you know, it's on Showtime or whatever. And, and this is like three or four months later, I'm here with my girl. We're, we're watching Showtime and they cut me off the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they left everybody, but me, really? I was gone. <laughs> My the whole thing, you Your know, speech, everything, the speech, everything. I was like, "What the fuck happened?" You know, what the yeah. fuck happened? Fuck these guys, man. You know, well, you know what, what? What was it for? Was it director or producer? Director of the year, you know, director of the year. Yeah. Why big, would they? How would they cut that? They just cut it off. That's not like you know cinematography or some shit. That's just just cut it off. You know. Wow. I guess I was just. Listen. Did you piss somebody off? Was it a person? No, thing? no, because the guy was cool. It was, he was just like a showtime. They just, I called him up and he was like, it's, he was really cool. Gary Miller, really cool dude. He was just like, no, man, it's not me. It's just, I, I, I'm sorry about that, you know? And I said, okay, well, you know, that wow. was, that was. So the next year, I was like, and you know, he kind of gave me a lesson. I was like, all right, you want, I get what you want. You want, you want me to come up on stage? You, okay. Next year I showed up. I had fucking cool glasses. I had sunglasses. Uh. I went in. You with gave them a show. I gave them a fucking show. Right, right. And that's my job, you know? So, right. yeah, you know, I have a public persona. But 
I have a responsibility to be to to get my brand to be noticed, right. you know. And ultimately, you know, it's 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 all about sacrifices in life. We all started the conversation with this. It's about that, you know. I built this company, you know, dude. I I sacrificed a lot of things to build this. I sacrificed to some degree my health on a lot of things. I sacrificed mm. my sleep. I sacrificed my friendships. I sacrificed a lot of relationship. Do I regret it? No. But a lot of younger generation nowadays they 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 want things but they just don't want to give it you got to give a piece of your fucking self even to mm. learn the skills you don't learn guitar your finger is gonna hurt mm. that's a sacrifice mm. you know you want to build an empire you want to build a skill you want to build anything what are you willing to give out are you are you willing to cut off one of your finger for this you know there's cultures in japan where you have to mm. do this as a proof of proof of loyalty sometimes yeah. How much are you willing to make your body, your mind hurt? How much are you willing to give away, to sacrifice in order to get what you want? Well, you know, for me, I was like, well, whatever. I'll put myself as a public person out there with with everything that it entails. You know, sure, it's cool. You know, yeah, you have followers on Instagram and whatever. And and but for me, it's it's more of a of a tool than anything else. Mm. You know, I don't dislike it. I don't like it. I just, it's a tool. It's a way of continuing to build brands and build stuff and get talked about. The only things that are successful in life is the things that are talked about. Is there a place, there's a, there's a line from Oscar Wilde. Right. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. He got it. He, yeah. But he was also a guy that was very famous for scandals and, and, and provocations <laughs> and stuff jail. like that. You yeah. know, and, and yeah. that's what it is. You want to get talked about, you, you know, and yeah. and yeah, people people can come up with any conclusion they want about me. That's okay. Again, I get to define what I do, not them. You know, I'm yeah. very comfortable with who I am. And what I've become, and I'm still learning, you know. Is there a place where you say, that's enough? I'm going to go live on an island and eat coconuts for the rest of my life? You know, it's funny because I, I, I thought about it. And honestly, like, it's, it's for me, the motivator is it's not, I, I get bored too easily for this shit. You know, like, I am... I just like building things. You know, I like building companies. I like building, I like creating art. I like... I like continuing to bring the adult industry forward so that people can look at this and be like, well, I thought porn was cheap. I thought porn was whatever. Then I look at what these people are doing, the team. And yeah, man, this this makes me... I, I've met people that are telling me like, wow, I look at your stuff. It's like, it makes me question the vision I had and the opinion I had about the adult industry. And I, I like that. That's when I know I'm doing it right. I like bringing the adult industry upward. I'm obviously not the only guy doing cool stuff. There's plenty of other people, but I'm the one that gets noticed a lot. You see what I mean? (laughs) So yeah, if someone was like, well, you're not the only guy doing cool things. No, I'm not. I just get noticed more than you. Right. So I get talked about more. So then people want to write articles and stuff. And that's just the way the hustle work. Ultimately at core, I'm a hustler. I like to hustle. I like to win. I like to hustle things. Yeah, I don't take it even seriously. I don't take myself mm. seriously. I don't. It's just a game. It's just fun. Because you you banked enough, you could stop at any time, and you'd be fine for the rest of your life. So it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about it's about just continuing to learn, continuing to build things, you know, and continuing to do interesting shit. Right. You know, I right. would I, I get bored so easily, man. Like I, you know, even when I'm on vacation, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and I, I've learned to relax and do things, but like. Yeah, I'm like, I'm 
I'm so inspired to continue to build things and do more and meet new right. people and do other things, maybe even outside of the adult industry in the future. You know? How old are you? 35. Fuck. <laughs> 35. Yeah. Jesus Christ. What? In 10 years, I can't imagine where you're going to be. I, really? I hope your eyes are as clear as okay, they are Okay, well, I hope we do another podcast in 10 years, yeah, <laughs> 10 man. years later. That'd that, be fun, right? How long yeah. has podcast been around? Not that long, right? I've been doing this for probably four or five years, and I didn't know what a podcast was the first time I was on right. one. And yeah, and it's funny, podcasts, like how many people are listening to this on an iPod? nobody right they don't exist anymore <laughs> so it's like the thing yeah. they're named for doesn't even exist it's so crazy but it'd be interesting to bring back guests you know every other year and you're like oh i got this guy yeah. and now he's becoming this and this and this you know thing. what i i had my buddy's kids on uh, right. his son on who was eight at okay. the time uh on the podcast yeah yeah because he's smart he's okay. a really smart little kid okay and so i wanted to have him on because it's just like Okay, what's it like to be eight? Right. You know, like what? What do you think is going to be a problem next year for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And what you know, what when you look at when you're 15, what's life going to be like? You know, he's the clever kid, and he, we talk. And now he's 15, 16, and he's like he's a man. Yeah. It's totally changed. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting. at that age. It changes quick. It changes so yeah. fast. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for doing this. Thank man. you, Chris. I really Appreciate enjoyed it, the man. conversation. It. Right, thank brother. you, buddy. Okay, Mom, uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. <laughs> she didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got beer cozies or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say 
So baby, what's a big deal? If you wanna be free, say what you wanna feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms, and if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.